bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour uh, is Erica Sandberg, uh, who is an author of a new book called Expecting Money, The Essential Financial Plan for New and Growing Families. Welcome to the show, Erica. Let's just start a little bit with your background uh, before we get into this uh, fascinating book, but just tell us a little bit about... uh, your education, how you got to be uh, where you are and why you wanted to write this book. Well, I come from a background of credit and debt. Um, I worked for Consumer Credit Counseling Service of San Francisco. And, you know, I, I started off as a counselor where I worked one-on-one with people who were really under the um, devastating burden of, of consumer debt um, and were trying to work, themselves, uh, work their way out of it. Um, and so I, I really got a sense of what was going on in this country with uh, how people are managing their finances. And it's, it's really, really tough. It's really tough. So I did that for a number of years, and then I trained, and I, I work with the media a lot. So um, money is fascinating. It really is about how we do it, why we do what we do, why we spend the way we do, why we charge the way we do. It's, it's really incredible. So particularly this book is aimed at uh, people having kids, uh, new families, even before you have kids, thinking about the whole financial implications of having kids. Uh, hasn't this been done before, or why, why is this uh, needed for a new book in this area? It's so funny. You would think that this has been done before. When I became pregnant, I was looking for a book that could tell me exactly, okay, what, I, what should I expect? How in the world is this going to affect my finances? You know, I wanted to know what child care was going to cost me. I wanted to know. I couldn't even find information, really good, solid information about what my disability benefits were going to be. I had to kind of do detective work, and it was really, really frustrating. I, you know, it, I needed to, to figure out what to buy, what not to buy, who to turn to. It was just crazy. So I thought, if I don't know and I'm in the industry, then this is ridiculous. People need to know. So that, that really is the inspiration for the book. And I, I can't tell you the feedback I've gotten from pregnant women and women who've had children, fathers who've had kids later and going, oh, if only I knew. So really that was, that was the reason. Uh, tell me a little bit about people's misconceptions of um, the financial implications of having kids. Most people think, well, it's just one more mouth to feed, but basically we've got everything we need for housing, maybe a few little clothes. I mean, what are the financial implications of having kids that people don't seem to understand? A lot of people think that just playing it by ear is going to be good enough. You're excited. You know, here you are, you've got a baby growing inside of you, or you've just had that child, and it's a thrill. It's just so exciting and new. And you think, okay, well, the money, the mo- I'll figure out a way of doing this, but I won't. I won't really get into the details. You know, I'll sort of play it all by ear. And that's a terrible thing to do because it's amazing how much waste that, that happens because of it. You buy things you don't need. You make these major financial decisions, major, like quitting a job <laughs> without sitting down and doing a budget and figuring out, can I even do that? Um, and, and it goes on. You know, the list goes on about that. You, you, maybe you want to quit your job, but your partner doesn't want you to. Um, you know, thinking, well, you know, I'm not going to be a sole provider here, or I do want you to be a sole provider, and you don't want to. So, um, and as a single parent, it just gets even more complicated. Um, so it's amazing how much planning you need to do that's best to do so that you don't waste so much money because people get in over their heads 
real fast with a child. What does it cost? About $10,000 on average for the first year alone for a baby? Where is that money going to come from? Some people would say that thinking about all this finance kind of takes the romance out of having a, a child. Is, is that true? Is this something that, uh, you know, it's almost like when you're dating. You don't think of, you know, you don't talk about money too much. Is it the same kind of thing? And therefore, people avoid the subject? Oh, man, you know, it's all about approach. Look, you know, if you're going to be uh, talking to your partner about this, do it enthusiastically. This is, this is, you know, you're laying the groundwork. That is fabulous. It's exciting. It's thrilling. You're talking about the future. You know, it shouldn't be done, and, and I understand what you're saying, Jordan. I mean, you know, it's, of course you can do it so that it's a, a, a chore and it's unromantic and, you know, kind of depressing. Quite the opposite. Absolutely the opposite. I, you know, that, that's what's so exciting about this is that right now you have this opportunity for change. You're in, the, you're in this transitional experience anyway. Having a baby could not be, it, it is probably the most transitional experience of your life. So you got to grab it by the reins now and, and make these changes that, that go in the direction that you want them to. And that really does, it's, it's thrilling. So, you know, I say keep the thrill. Keep the financial thrill. It's, it's all about planning and, and prepping yourself for the future. Your baby deserves it. You deserve it. Okay. In the first chapter, and again, I'm speaking uh, with Erica uh, Sandberg. Uh, by the way, you do have a website as well. Tell people about your website if they want to find out more about you and the book. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's www.ericasandberg.com. Um, you'll find some information about my background and um, the book, some you know reviews, um, essentially what I do. Um, so definitely go there, and I've got uh, my email address. And give me a, uh, shoot me an email, uh, info at ericasandberg.com, and I can certainly answer your questions. And sort of, I'm, I'm very bad with tech stuff, so I'm starting my blog, but I don't know what I'm doing yet. Um, it's really bad, <laughs> but I am doing an Ask Erica column, so please feel free. Email me with your questions, and I'll post them up, and um, certainly what, what you don't know, somebody else is not going to know either, so I'll be happy to answer questions. And that the website is spelled E-R-I-C-A-S-A-N-D-B-E-R-G.com, correct? That's right, that's right. Okay, just like to get it right there. Yeah. All right, let's start at the first chapter, and again, Erica's book is called Expecting Money, the Essential Financial Plan for New and Growing Families. Uh, you say at the beginning you kind of have to take stock of where you are now. So why don't you just briefly talk about what need, people need to do to kind of take stock of their current situation. This is, I assuming, before they even have the kids. Oh, yeah. You know, before you have a child, it's, it's so exciting to, to do it in the beginning. You know, let's, if you can, start, start figuring out what your finances are before the baby comes. And there's a really good reason for this. If you haven't had a baby, you don't know. But one thing for sure, a newborn saps the energy out of you. It's exhausting. You're not getting a lot of sleep. You're consumed with that new baby. It's, you know, you, you become very focused. So doing as much as you possibly can before the baby is born or enters your life, you know, I talk about adoption as well, um, is really, really key. Uh, I remember having a client who, uh, when she first had her baby, she was, she was so out of it that she poured pineapple juice in her coffee instead of milk, and she drank it anyway. She was too tired to even change it. And I think that's really indicative of how exhausted a new parent can be. Um, and it's just really not the best, best time uh, to start working on your finances when you're that tired. Um, so, yeah, taking stock of where you are, 8 out of 10 people have never done a budget. That's pretty remarkable. What do people find? What is the surprise that they find when they end up doing budgets? Uh, that they're spending far more than they thought they were. Um, it really, it's, it's 
such an eye-opening experience. So I've got a worksheet in there that people can use. Um, it, it, a lot of people, when they do a budget, they focus on the big areas, like what I spend on rent or mortgage, um, maybe gas for the car, certainly your car payment, food, and you kind of leave it at that, at these big basics, but people forget. There's birthdays, there's holidays, there's cards, there's flowers, there's tithing, there's all sorts of things that go into somebody's budget that if you don't have a detailed guideline, you're going to forget it, and you're going to... You are going to vastly underestimate how much you spend, and it's it's really important. If you're going to be doing a budget for your baby, you got to figure out what you're spending now so that you can make adjustments later. You also talk about figuring out your money values. Do you find that a lot of couples uh, come into a marriage uh, and right before they have kids have different money values and that creates some conflict? Oh, of course, of course. I mean, no no two people are alike. Um, money discord. I, you know, when I was counseling, I just it was shocking how many people would come in as a couple and really on the verge of divorce, um, certainly uh, with, with vastly different ideas about what they should be doing with their money and you're blaming, blaming each other for, for this and that. And it was, it was really, really sad to experience that firsthand. So, so, so how do you help somebody in that situation? I mean, they've got their values. They're sitting in front of you. They can't change their values instantly. So how do you negotiate in a situation like that? Well, I think... It, Jordan, you said it right. You can't do it instantly. This requires a long-term approach. No, no, I'm not going to to say that it's not easy or say that it's easy. It's not. You've got to work on it. If you've got vastly different ideas about where you want to spend your money, you better start talking about them. You know, you, you absolutely have to. And you've got to have some compromise. If you're really rigid about, about your financial matters, it's not going to work. You know, the other person is either going to have to do all the compromising or they're just going to be frustrated. And nothing makes you more frustrated in a, in a relationship than somebody who's not, not budging. So you've got to enter it with this, you know, sort of open-minded, okay, fine, let's make changes for the greater good of the family. It's, it's too depressing going into a, a new family experience, having this new baby come, and you're fighting about money. How depressing is that? So it, I, I certainly give some topics that, you all, that everybody needs to discuss. You talk at the end of the chapter about uh, rules to live by. Why don't you just briefly go through some of those rules for couples to live by? For couples? For the couples and money? Yeah, we're talking about the end of chapter one, uh, the first one being treat every income dollar respectfully, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, it's funny. There's so many rules that people should follow just to at least give it, you know, give it some time. Um, the first one is that there's no better time than now before the baby's born to get your finances in order. And so really to use that time uh, as best as you can. It's funny, the very first title for this book was not going to be um, Expecting Money. It was going to be The Prosperous Pregnancy. <laughs> really, that's kind of what it is, is that, oh, use that time. Um, you know, and one thing that we didn't discuss about this chapter is that you've got some heightened emotions, fear, hope, excitement. All of those can be used for your, to your advantage right now financially. Especially fear. People think, oh, my God, you know, how can fear help me? Well, does, does not fear help you make a big change? Maybe go back to school. Maybe ask for a raise. Maybe find another better paying job. So, you know, really use those emotions. They're, they're there for a reason. Hmm. Yeah. And, again, what are some of the other rules to live by uh, at the end of this chapter you're talking about? Okay. Um, you know, if you've got money troubles now, you're going to feel alone. Um, but it's a struggle that you share with millions. And feeling alone is isolating, it's scary, 
realize it is not the case. We, a lot of people are in the same position. Um, figuring out where you are right now is a crucial first step toward getting to where you want to be. So really take the time to do a budget, figure out a, do your net worth statement, um, know what you have coming into this uh, this new experience, um, and then find just how financially secure you are at this point. Uh, that that means really doing a lot of self analysis. You talk a lot about the entitlement trap. What do you mean by that? Boy, don't we all see these these children who um, feel entitled to uh, the, the, the finer things in life? Little children, teenagers walking around with Louis Vuitton bags. You don't want somebody who you don't want it to raise a child who feels that they deserve everything. Very good. All right, we're going to come back. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman again of the Money Answer Show, and my guest this hour is Erica Sandberg. Uh, whose new book is called Expecting Money, the Essential Financial Plan for New and Growing Families. Her website is ericasandberg.com, and we'll be back after this. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You hear business show after business show all geared towards improving a company's bottom line. But what about your bottom line? How come no one ever talks about that? Finally, a show dedicated to the worker. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, the work wonk. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific time, the Crow Show is aimed specifically at the worker and their environment. From work skills and technology to dealing with bosses and coworkers, the Crow Show will give you insight on how to survive and prosper in today's workplace. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, the work wonk. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific time, right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business. Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? In 2005, how can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellent both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answers Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour 
is Erica Sandberg, uh, whose new book is called The Essential Financial Plan for New and Growing Families. Welcome back to the show, Erica. Hi, thanks. Next uh, chapter is about debt uh, and the dangers of debt. Um, so talk a little bit about the dangers of getting into debt, uh, particularly when a new child comes along, and what people should do to avoid that problem. Well, I mean, the average household debt right now is nearing the $9,000 mark, and that's just consumer debt. We're not talking your car. We're not talking your mortgage. Um, it's really hanging on to this really expensive credit card debt and store card debt. Um, you know, it's one thing to, to have it when, you're, when you don't have a child. It's another to have a baby who is going to be a fairly expensive venture. It, no matter which way you do it, you can, you can, you can budget all you want. It's, there is still an expense that goes into having that child. So, you know, you can ill afford to have debt when you have a baby. Um, and yet it's funny because there's a, uh, a lot of people will say, well, boy, when you have a child, welcome. You know, you better, you better start expecting to have uh, credit card debt, which is a terrible defeatist attitude and certainly not true. Well, usually your income has gone down because even if the mother is working part-time instead of full-time, her income is going to be less. And the expenses have clearly gone up from having a kid versus not having a kid. So yeah. uh, how do you deal with that and not go into debt? Yeah, I mean, it's a black and white issue. If your income is going to decrease and your expenses are going to increase, you've got to have to, you're going to have to figure out how you're going to, to, to pay for it all. Um, now, okay, the first thing, rely on credit cards, good or bad. Not good. It's not their purpose. A credit card is not a loan. It's, it's really a, a payment tool. And you've got to keep it as a payment tool. Um, and, of course, what that means is that you, you borrow on a very short-term basis, one month, two months, not too much more than that. Because if you do, it's too expensive. So it, it just really doesn't make any sense. So you're going to have to work out your budget so that you cover your expenses even with the income uh, reduction and even with the new expenses. It's not about credit card debt. <laughs> You've got to sort of get out of that mentality. You, you talk in this chapter about uh, human nature, the good and the bad. Uh, tell us what the issue is with optimism uh, as it has, has to relate to debt. Well, this is what I saw all the time and what I continue to, to hear from, from people, which is optimism. I'm going to be a, I'll figure out a way. I'll figure out a way of paying all this. Um, it's it's this, this wonderful sense, actually, in a way, of that, that eventually you're going to be able to work the debt down and it's not going to be too expensive. And it's, it's, a lot of that has to do with avoidance. Okay, we're not really looking at it realistically. It's optimistically. I can figure it out. Um, and, you know, okay, if I spend $1,000 this month on new baby products, you know, but, you know, it's not going to be too bad to have, a, a, you know, have this on my credit card for a year. And actually, it is. It is. It's too expensive. It doesn't make any sense. I, I also talk about the bottom line. Like, if, if you do have a lot of debt, and about how much it's going to cost you every month in finance charges. Think about this. You know, if you've got around $9,000 that you're holding onto those credit cards um, and your interest rate is what, 18% or so, you're going to spend a couple, a couple of hundred dollars in finance fees. What a waste that is. You know, there's so many better places right now that you can put your money than contributing to a creditor's bottom line. Um, and I think everybody can agree with that, and yet, it's, we, again, we, we just don't think about it. A lot of people are thinking, oh, I'll just kind of, somehow or another, I'll pay it off at some point. And particularly, how does this relate to housing, where people get a bigger house than they can really afford, they're going to have a new child, uh, are they over-optimistic in the amount of mortgage debt they can handle? Well, you no, know, Jordan, this is really, that, that's why 
this is so important. That's why this subject is so important. You want so much. As a, as a new family, you're hoping, you're, you're excited. You're thinking, I'm going to get a bigger house, a house with another bedroom for my baby, uh, you know, a house with a yard that the child can play in when, when he or she grows up. So you, you overspend. You overdo it. And that's also the, the, the problem with optimism is that you think that you're going to need all of this stuff and that's what you want. You go for it. You just go for it. And a lot of people, of course, today are finding that they are not able to meet those expenses and it's causing far more stress than they ever anticipated, and certainly it's not giving them the happiness that they were that they were hoping for. And particularly when they got mortgages that were below market one way or the other, and then they adjust up to market or beyond the market. Oh, exactly. Uh, based on assumptions that their income was going to go up, when in fact it's probably gone down if they have a, you know, the wife earning less or not at all than they were before. You know, I just spoke with a woman who is running a deficit of around nine hundred dollars every month. Um, and what they're what they're looking for right now, what she was telling me, was that she wants to buy a bigger house. Uh, and I was saying, well, how are you going to manage this? <laughs> Where, where's this money going to come from? And she said, well, you know, but still, you know, I want to have another baby and I want to have a bigger house. I said, okay, that's great. You want to have a bigger house? We're going to have to figure out how you're going to get there because right now you're not even meaning what you what you have right now. Um, and it's this it's a bitter pill. It is, it is not always a fun experience to, to face the reality of the situation where, you know, it's, the money's going to have to come from someplace. Let's so as the counselor, you, you are the bearer of bad news then, huh? Oh, I hate to look at it that way, but, you know, I'm the, I'm the bearer of reality, and, and let's move on from there. Let's figure out a way. You know, the wonderful thing about money, absolutely fabulous thing about money, is that there's always something that you can do positively. You know, it's, it's not about health, you know, where you're sick and maybe there's no, maybe there's no cure. There's a cure. You can make more money or you can reduce your expenses. Now, you also talk about the, uh, the opposite of this is the problem with pessimism. H- how does that affect uh, people's attitude towards debt when they have kids? Well, I, you know, I think really what, what, that, what that really is all about is you kind of think that there's no other way. You know, that you're going to have to rely on credit. If, you know, if you don't have the income coming in and you can't reduce your expenses any further, then, you know, it's... it's that's it. You know, you're going to have to look towards the credit cards um, in order to to make it, and you know, it, it's it's just a devastating um, decision to make. Financially, it's devastating. Um, I, I certainly speak to a lot of people who file for bankruptcy when they never thought that they would ever take that route, um, but they found themselves in over their head. But that's harder to do today than it was in the past because of the new bankruptcy laws, right? Oh, definitely. And so then people tell, tell us the difference between going bankrupt now and before the new laws. How is it different and what assets you can keep in the whole process? Oh, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, well, you have to pass a means test. Um, and a means test is what that means is that if you make more than the median income for your state, then you're going to have to prove that you do not have the money to pay your, for your uh, unsecured debts that, you that you'd like to discharge. Um, if you've got more than $100 left over after subtracting your uh, expenses from your income, then you are not allowed to file for Chapter 7 bankruptcy. You're going to have to pay for that debt, whether it's on your own or Chapter 13 bankruptcy, which is a court-supervised repayment plan. So it really it has knocked a lot of people for a loop, like, okay, well, now what do I do? I'm stuck with this. So what happens when people go into court in that kind of situation? expecting to get the debt, in effect, wiped away through a Chapter 7, 
and they're told they're not allowed to do that. It has to be at Chapter 13. How do you deal with people in that situation? Well, again, you know, this is a, a dose of reality where it, it, it's typically not, they don't wait until they get to the to court. It's when they speak to their lawyer and they, they do their schedule of assets and liabilities and it's all laid out in black and white and it's showing, hey, you know, I've got, I've got some money to pay for this debt. I can't just, I can't just walk away. And it's, um, it's depressing. It's, you know, you thought that there was going to, you thought you'd be able to walk into court and have it all go away. And you realize you're stuck. You're stuck with it. You're mm-hmm. going to have to figure out a way of paying for it. Um, it's, it's, it's really impacted a lot of people. It's affected a lot of people. But, you know, the, the, of course, the, the premise of the law is to, is to avoid abuse. And there was abuse. <laughs> I, I certainly spoke to people who, uh, most of the people who wanted to declare bankruptcy did so for good reason. But, you know, there were certainly people who said, you know what, I'm just going to file. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what are you talking about? You've got the money to pay. And so it, it's really, it's changed that, which is good. My sense is that, at least the studies I saw, that only about 3% of debtors, when you looked at the details, were considered abusive, and 97% really had no choice and were not abusive. But yeah. the 97% are paying the, the price for the 3% who were abusive to some extent. Oh, it's totally, it's, that's absolutely true. And every once in a while, it's something, every once in a while, you'd find somebody who just, just you know, didn't care and uh, were willing to take the financial, uh, the credit hit um, to discharge their debt. But really, that's eliminated that. You know, now, if you don't have the money, you don't have the money. You can't, you know. So it, it's it's interesting. You don't have that legal option anymore. I'd just like you to go through some of the other uh, danger signs you say with debt, uh, things like uh, ignoring free checks and uh, not uh, skipping payments, things like that. What, what are some of the other traps that people fall into that the credit card companies make it easy to fall into? Um, yeah, you know, the, the, the free checks that come on, aren't those enticing? <laughs> you open up your mail and you see these checks and you can just write them out. Oh, and you know what those are? Cash advances. Problem with the cash advance is that interest starts to accrue the moment you take it out. So you don't even have a grace period with that. So I am not anti-credit. I really think that you can use credit to your advantage. You know, I love rewards cards. I love mileage cards. Use them. Use them well so that they pay you instead of you pay them. Um, but, yes, yeah, certainly the, the, the checks that come to you are just ridiculous. They're really they're just they're there to get you to spend more than you can afford. So ignore them. Pay them up. Pay them up in the little tiny pieces. Shred them. And how about the skip payment uh, option? That usually comes after the holidays when people are stressing out about paying their bills. They've you know, maybe gone a little bit overboard with um, the, the December holidays, and um, then the credit card company says, look, why don't you skip a payment this month? Well, it's not like they're paying your bill for you. They're just allowing you to skip it, which means that finance charges are continue, continuing to accrue. So... You know, are they giving you a gift, or are they taking money out of your pocket? You know, it's the latter. And then you say you should potentially reject offers to increase your credit line. People feel honored when their credit line goes up. Oh, it feels like a bonus. (laughs) If if you get a letter from your creditor saying, we've increased your credit line from $5,000 to $15,000, the natural reaction of any cardholder, okay, most cardholders, is going to be, Woo! I have more money that I can spend now, and it's 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 so enticing. So Great. ignore them. All righty, uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show, and my guest this hour is Erica Sandberg, uh, whose book "Expecting Money: 
the essential fi- financial plan for new and growing families is quite fascinating. Uh, and we'll get into this more after this. We'll be back after this. Line in business. Voice America business. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart. Grow profit. And grow your business with Aldana Ambler and the Grow Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. You hear business show after business show all geared towards improving a company's bottom line. But what about your bottom line? How come no one ever talks about that? Finally, a show dedicated to the worker, The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, The Work Wonk. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, The Crow Show is aimed specifically at the worker and their environment. From work skills and technology to dealing with bosses and coworkers, The Crow Show will give you insight on how to survive and prosper in today's workplace. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, The Work Wonk. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Bottom Line of Business Talk, Voice America Business. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellent in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Erica Sandberg, uh, whose new book is called Expecting Money, The Essential Financial Plan for New and Growing Families. Welcome back to the show, Erica. Hi, thank you. And again, Erica's website is ericasandberg.com, E-R-I-C-A-S-A-N-D-B-E-R-G.com. Uh, that has all kinds of information about uh, what we're talking about, and uh, you can get her new book there as well. Okay, uh, I want to go back to Before the Baby Exists and the financial implications of creating a baby in the first place. Uh, chapter 5 in the book is called Bringing Baby Home Healthy. So let's talk a little bit about fertility, for example, and uh, fertility expenses and how the whole thing works and how people should should plan for that. Yeah, by and large, fertility treatment is not for people who don't have money. It is ridiculously expensive. Um, and you can do the low end. Even the low end costs are, are uh, often out of, ra- out of the range for um, people of moderate income. Yeah, you know, lots of people are doing this, even though it's expensive, right? I mean, wh- what is the sense of how many people are doing this compared to the past? 
Um, you know, as medical science grows, you know, the options become greater. Uh, more people are taking advantage of it, and a lot of people are putting it on their credit cards. By the way, going back to the whole credit card issue, you know, there's ways you can get loans for it. There's specific loans for um, for fertility treatments because it's often not co- covered. Very, very rarely is it covered by insurance. So you think that's a good idea to take a loan for fertility treatment? You know, it's an interesting thought. Let's put it this way. It is a goal, just like a goal like you would save. I, I say save for it. You know, it's, it's a goal like you would have a, for a car, retirement, education. You know, if, if that's your goal and that's what you want to spend your money on, by all means, it's perfectly fine. Do I think that it's a good idea to put on your credit card? Not unless you can pay it off within 30 or 40 days. Typically, how much are, you, you go through the different uh, treatments, but just briefly go through them. Just give us a rough idea of how much these things cost these days. Sure, and I'll, I'll start with the least expensive and move on to the most expensive. The first one is acupuncture, and a lot of people use this because it's, it's the least expensive option. <laughs> However, the least expensive option is going to cost, on average, about a thousand dollars for a twelve treatment program, which is not. Unsubstantial. It's it's certainly a lot of money. Um, And then some people go, some women um, go for drugs like Clomid and other ovulation induction uh, therapies. Um, And it's around $50 a treatment. Again, it's rarely included in in your insurance. So, but you often have to do it. I mean, people are on it for a year. You know, and each treatment goes for a month. So it adds up, not including all the co-payments that you have to pay and kind of assorted other costs. Um, and then it moves on to the really expensive uh, treatments, like um, what's called IUI, which is uh, intrauterine insemination. And on average, it's around eight thousand to ten thousand uh, dollars for uh, treatment for for to do it six times, which is what a lot of women end up doing. So you don't normally work on the first time. You have to do it six times for it to work. Typically, very often, very uh-huh. often. Yeah, I mean, you know, you could get lucky, and <laughs> you could just spend fifteen hundred dollars to 2000 for the first try, but yeah, typically you've got to do it a few times. Okay. Um, in vitro is the, the second uh, second to the last, and that's around, on average, the current average cost, according to the American Society of Rep- Reproductive Medicine, is around $12,000, a little bit more than that, which is, again, that's, that's, that's a lot of money that's coming out of your own pocket. Um, and then the, uh, the ultra-expensive is the egg donor. Um, one, because you, then you've really got a lot of medical costs to, to cover, not just including yours, but the other person's, and it's around $20,000. So is there a correlation between, as you pay more, your chances of getting pregnant go up? Mm, well, I'm not a doctor. I think that it really depends on, on what your issue is with fertility. So, um, yeah, it really does depend. I hate, I hate the word depend. I, I want to give really <laughs> good, solid numbers, but sometimes I just can't. So it really depends on what your issue is. Yeah. But anyway, you're saying just that whole process itself can cost uh, more than people often expect. Far more, far more. You know, and actually, I, I do know somebody who um, did get pregnant with in vitro fertilization, and her husband um, was in the military, and they covered half of that cost. So, you know, there are some, you know, you can kind of whack off some dollars um, depending on what your situation is. But typically speaking, this is money that comes out of your pocket. So save for it. And then if that doesn't work, then adoption is an option. Just briefly go through some of the costs people should expect uh, in doing adoption. Well, you know, adoption, if you, if you do it through the foster care system, which that is the, the least expensive option. And it works really, really well for some people. You know, you get your home study expenses covered. Home study expenses 
come out of your pocket um, if you don't do foster care, and that's between a thousand dollars and three thousand um, dollars. And you know that's that's really kind of doing um, paperwork and learning what it means to have a child, and um, but you, you do typically have to pay for it unless you um, uh, the foster care situation um, and legal fees. Legal fees are very expensive, um, and they're part of it, especially if you adopt um, a, a child from another country, um, because you're really going to have to make sure all your I's are dotted and T's are crossed, um, and it costs money. And you know how much uh, lawyers cost. Um, was the typical hourly fee is around two hundred and fifty dollars. Isn't that uh, there, is, is it true? There's still a shortage of, of healthy babies in the United States, and most people have to go abroad these days. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, certainly there's a lot of children in the United States who are not infants. Um, in fact, at, at your chance of getting a healthy, happy baby um, uh, over, if, if it's at least a year old, is very, very high. But it's, it's that brand new, newborn baby that can be a little bit tough um, to, to get. So are you recommending financially it's better to take an older child after one year old than to uh, go to Russia or someplace and get a um, you know completely brand new baby. It's less expensive, definitely. Mm. And you know what? With the whole you know getting it from another country, you run into a lot of problems as well financially because very often you're back and forth. Um, so you're, doing, you're doing a lot of traveling, which is expensive. Um, you may have to pay the legal fees in that in the country of origin and your your own country, United States. So you you really end up with these costs that you, you probably didn't expect, and that's what I really heard from a lot of parents who did ad- adopt um, from China or Bulgaria, you know, these countries, that they have to go back and forth a lot, and it's expensive. Mm-hmm. Well, what are some of the countries today? I know that Russia's restricted them, and Korea had restricted them to some extent. What are the countries people are going to most these days? Um, uh, South America, Central America. Got a lot of um, adoptions right now from Guatemala, Peru. I see. Yeah, Mexico. Okay. All right, and then you have a whole section about uh, the actual costs of uh, childbirth and so on, um, mm. and what is and is not covered by health insurance and COBRA. Just talk a little bit about uh, what you should know financially about what isn't isn't covered by tr- traditional health insurance. Um, well, let's first talk about you know the whole health insurance about how important it is. Um, right now, it's it's you can't have a more more important cost than making sure that you are covered um, with having the proper medical uh, insurance. It's just too expensive to have this all done out of your pocket. You know, certainly if you're going to be leaving your job, COBRA is there. It's going to cover the, it's going to bridge the gap between health plans. But that's very expensive um, for a lot of people. A lot of people spend upwards of 600 to $700 per month um, on COBRA payments. Um, you know, get your individual health insurance as early as possible. To, or do it before you get pregnant. It's more important. You know, that's that's a, a good tip uh, because afterwards it could be a little bit, a uh, little bit tough. So, what are people? We have what 50 million people in this country have no health insurance. They're still having babies. How are they affording this? Uh, you know, you can. There's a couple different things that you can do. Um, the first thing is that you can make an arrangement uh, with the hospital that you want to give birth in. And say, I want to get. I want, this is <laughs> this is where I want to have my labor. Um, I'd like to set up a payment plan with you, and you can start paying for the the labor before you have the baby. And that's yeah. a nice way of doing it. And you can often get a break financially. So, you know, look around. If you don't have health insurance and you can't get it, look around. Find the hospital or birthing center. Sometimes birthing centers are, are less expensive than hospitals. Um, and 
figure out what you can do financially and make an arrangement with that with that organization. Um, you can get a great deal sometimes. Hmm. And, and then uh, you talk about some insurance scams in these areas. People are preying on people who don't have insurance. What's going on there? Well, there's always some sort of scam, isn't there? Um, you know, there's, unfortunately, they, they have these, if you've seen the advertisements on TV, um, these kind of discount insurance plans, they, they rarely cover things like um, labor or, or um, post, post-baby costs. They're really what you get for these very, very low rates that you pay is not worth the pennies that you pay. So really get, get a good plan, not, not you know, I hate to say it, but that's that old cliche. You know, you get what you pay for. And why waste your money on something that's not going to cover um, cover those costs? Because they won't. Yeah. I just want to skip briefly to Chapter 8, which is single solutions. We've talked a lot about handling these costs as a uh, normal two-parent family. What are some of the challenges involved in uh, single-parent uh, households? Well, it's more stressful. You're the, if you're going to be the sole provider for your, your new baby, um, you're going to have to start thinking about how you're going to make it work. Um, unfortunately, um, child support very often is inadequate. It's not going to cover all the expenses of that new baby. So unless you make a lot of money on your own, you're looking at some very stressful financial times coming. That means that you need to be more prepared with even more insurance, both your disability, um, workers' comp. You have to make sure that you get covered with that, uh, that you have to have extra savings, and life insurance. You're going to have to have more life insurance uh, typically. So it's an expensive venture for a single parent. It's certainly worth it. I've spoken to thousands and thousands of single parents, and they all love their child, and they're happy that they, but they all pretty much say the same thing. It was very hard financially. So it's even more important as a single parent that you do a budget, that you spend within your means, um, and that you prepare for the future. You talk about some organizations to help in this area. One of them is called Co-Abode. Is that right? Yeah, Co-Abode is really nice. What Um, is that? Spell it so people can find out about it. Oh, I think it's coabode.org. Um, and that's an organization that helps basically link. Hello? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, it, it helps link um, uh, single parents with other single parents to share costs. I see. Share housing costs. And there's also an organization called Parents Without Partners in Boca Raton, Florida. Yeah, that's a great one too because you know the more resources you have, the other more people that you can speak to who have the exact same situation as you, the better you can share share tips. Absolutely. And I, and I love the. Uh, uh, women's uh, women's rising. I'll have to get the the website for that. But there's another one that's that's really helping uh, legislation uh, change legislation so that it's a little bit more family friendly. Okay. All right, we're going to go to a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman, and again, my guest this hour is Erica Sandberg, uh, the author of Expecting Money: The Essential Financial Plan for New and Growing Families. We'll be back after this. Line in business. Voice America business. 
Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Achieve Total Wealth Management. Listen to Three Dimensional Wealth with Rory Diefendorf every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 Eastern, right here on Voice America Business. Three Dimensional Wealth is a show dedicated to teaching you a value-based approach to comprehensive wealth management through practical strategies and expert advice. Take your first step down the road to financial independence. Listen to Three Dimensional Wealth with Rory Diefendorf Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 Eastern, here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Have you ever had a bad day and wish someone could come along and change it at the flip of a switch? Do you dream of living the life of wealth, great relationships, and the perfect job, but don't know where to start? Then tune into The Winner's Attitude with corporate trainers, motivators, authors, and host Jeff and Val G. No difficult strategies or complicated keys. Jeff and Val present a powerful and effective technology to switch your operating system to create the most amazing life. It has been said that winners have simply formed the habit of doing amazing things. When know how to activate that switch and so can you the winner's attitude with jeff and val g broadcast each friday at 8 a.m pacific 11 a.m eastern on the voice america business channel the winner's attitude switch me on the bottom line in business voice america business You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Erica Sandberg, uh, who is the author of a new book called Expecting Money, The Essential Financial Plan for New and Growing Families. Welcome back to the show, Erica. Hi, thank you. Uh, again, Erica's website, for more information on all these things, is Erica Sandberg, E-R-I-C-A-S-A-N-D-B-E-R-G.com. Uh, if you are a new or expecting or potentially expecting parent, this is something you should probably uh, check out. Uh, one of the big decisions is, uh, should the wife usually uh, stay at work or be a stay-at-home mom? Talk about some of the things you talk about in the book on that whole issue. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, I, I, this is really a, a very good example of how people make decisions without really fully analyzing um, whether or not it's financially feasible. Staying at home is so enticing. You know, when you're pregnant and you have that new baby, um, you want to be with that baby. Most of the time, that's what, the, that's what the, the mother would like to do. Not all the time, but a lot of the times. And you have to figure out how you can do it. Now, there's a lot of social pressure. There's a lot of career women out there. I'm one of them who wanted to go back to work. And you feel guilty and you feel stressed. And um, there's a lot of people who are going to say, how could you leave your baby? How could you do this? And you think, well, you know, this is the career I trained for. So I, what I really would like to emphasize here is that do what's right for you. And if that means staying at home, terrific. Find out a way to do it financially. 
Um, that means a lot of budgeting. Uh, in a two-parent household, because typically if you're a single parent, you're going to have to go to work. But in a two-parent household, you and your partner are going to have to get, it, get together and develop a very sound budget. I, I made a very, very detailed budget for um, for a new baby and uh, incorporating all the expenses of a new child in the book. you got to start planning for all the different expenses that are coming up. You know, they say it's $10,000 for in the first year. Figure out where you're going to get that money from. Um, One question I often hear from people is after they, say, say the wife goes back to work, uh, in many cases the cost of child care uh, is more or about the same as what they're making. So basically they're working to support the child care worker. Yes, absolutely. Is, is what, what are the numbers? How do they typically work out? When you consider paying FICA taxes and all the things that are necessary for child care, does it often pay uh, to actually go back to work? It depends on what your income is. If you, are, uh, if you make, you know, let's just say that you make $75,000 a year, you're the, you're the mother, you know, and, and, the, and the, let's just say that the, the father also makes the same sum. Look, I don't care what kind of child care you're going to get. Okay, maybe a governess. But <laughs> you're, gonna, you're going to come out financially behind if you lose your, your income because you're making a lot of money. Now, if, if you don't make a whole lot, chances are child care is going to eat up into, uh, into, the, into the cost and it's not going to be viable. It doesn't make any sense. Just give a rough idea of what the average American might expect to spend in decent child care you know, mm-hmm. per year, just roughly. Um, okay, I will, I'm happy to do that because it's going to depend on where you live. Urban area, you are looking at full-time child care of at least $1,400 a month. And that's counting taxes and everything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a lot of, and it goes upwards from there. It's easily in San Francisco, Chicago, Manhattan, um, you name it, places like that, it's easily $2,000 a month. And that's after-tax money you have to be producing from your job to make that's it worthwhile. Right. That's and right. that's counting uh, various withholding taxes and so mm-hmm. on. You, you think you should do this right, right, as far as uh, paying the nanny on, on the books? Oh, without without question. Do yeah, people without. still play around with that a lot and try to get away with things? Oh, sure, sure. And, you know, and, and, and I, I'm not here to make that decision for you, but typically it behooves you uh, from a tax perspective and the, the, the child care worker from their, from their income perspective. So, you know, usually it's, it's the best way <laughs> of doing it. Now, that said... A nanny is the most expensive option. Okay? Maybe you can't afford a nanny. Maybe that's not for you. Maybe it's going to be a different type of child care arrangement. Maybe it's a, a, another family who you can switch on and off. An au pair. Au pairs are very often, you know, if you've got the room in your house, that could be a very good decision. Um, you know, it's, is it, it's, do you save money if you have a live-in as opposed to a, somebody who's coming every day? You do. You do. You know, let's just say if, if a full-time nanny is going to run you about... Um, Two thousand dollars, and that's live out. Mm-hmm. Um, if if she lives in your home, it's your, you would subtract the going market rate for an apartment um, or a room, actually. In a, in a but you have to paying the food, but you don't have to pay extra housing, is what you're saying. That's right, and they're right there, so you know it could be easier for you as a family. So if you've got a large house, it could certainly could work to your advantage. Um, but sometimes, you know, the whole nanny issue is just not is just not going to be right for you. So I, I really, really stress the importance of looking at all the options in your community. And that means a family daycare or, you know, a, an actual daycare that you would, you know, it's run more like a business. Um, typically, they're less expensive than a nanny. Let's put it, here, I'll give you a tip. Okay. If you say, how can that nanny charge that much? That's more than what I make. Guess what? A nanny's not for you. 
Mm-hmm. Throw it out of your your mindset. It's not for you then. It's probably not going to be worth it. You're going to be, as I said, I hear people all the time say, I'm working for my nanny, basically. <laughs> not the other way around. Yeah, and it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. That said, what does make sense is for you to get some help. Raising a child is not easy. And having like a mother's helper who can help you sometime or maybe even uh, making sure that there's room in your budget for a babysitter because you're going to need to get out and breathe is really important, too. Babysitters can run, d- depending on the community, here in San Francisco, it's at least $15 an hour. That comes straight out of your own pocket. You're not talking taxes. That's cash. Um, and in other communities, it could be as little as 5 to $8 per hour. You, so you we talk, research. Do you talk in your chapter on budgeting about where it hurts and where's the splurge? Yeah. We don't have the time to get into all those, but basically how are you supposed to make a decision on when you should do something and when it's just too much of a splurge? It, it really is. You have to think about need. You know, you have to think about need. Well, what, what do you require? And then if there's any money left over, let yourself splurge. You can't, I, I can't stand a budget. It doesn't make any sense to develop a budget that doesn't have some sort of splurge built into it. Know what you love. You know, as a new parent, you're going to have to do something for yourself. It's not just about the baby. And if it could, it could be something as indulgent as getting a pedicure or getting a massage or going out for a movie or, you know, getting something a- a- attractive to wear, um, it keeps you going. It's, it's that important. And you do. You need to have a good, you need to be happy. <laughs> and if that means a little indulgence here and there, by all means, build it into your budget. It's that important. As we come to a close here, why don't you just give an overall view of what the process should be in uh, planning for and executing a, a uh, happy uh, <laughs> delivery and uh, raising of a child. Okay. First thing first, know where you are today financially. Before that baby is there, do a budget. Know what you're spending your money on and then make changes. Make sure you're saving for the future. After that, talk. Talk to yourself. Figure out what your values are. Really understand yourself. Understand your partner. Come together. Talk to your employer. Make sure that you're empl- if you're going to go back to work, you got to start making some arrangements with, with them um, so that you feel comfortable. There's a lot of stress that pregnant women feel about their employer, like, oh, my goodness, am I going to get fired? Can I, can I have a different working arrangement? If you're going to be a stay-at-home parent, figure out how you're going to do it. Don't just quit. <laughs> do not fall into that trap. It is an expensive trap. And speaking of traps, make sure your debt is paid off, right? If you, if you can, get as much of that debt, if you have debt, get as much of it paid off as you possibly can before the baby comes. And do not spend more than you make. It is so important to make sure that there's savings built in, insurance um, to cover your losses in, in case something bad happens. Um, and enter into this whole thing with, with enthusiasm. This is exciting. It's thrilling. Make sure it, it continues to be exciting instead of a drudge. Ugh, you know, I have to look at my finances. You know, set it up so that you're happy. Very good. All right, well, this has been fascinating. Uh, again, if you want to find out more about Erica's new book, which is called Expecting Money, The Essential Financial Plan for New and Growing Families, uh, you can either get it at Amazon or go to her website, which is ericasandberg.com. Thanks so much for being on the show, Erica. Oh, thank you so much. And we'll be back again next week.
Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you.